2: podcast this is molly and i'm kristen kristen yes did you know that we are in the middle of an epidemic oh like it's not even swine flu it's not disease related but there's an epidemic breaking news i was reading (laughs) about it stuff (laughs) i was reading about it in the washington post okay and this bulletin comes to us from the american orthopedic foot and ankle society oh And they said that foot problems resulting from poorly fitting shoes have reached epidemic proportions and pose a major health risk for women in America. Because of high heels? Yes. They are the most dangerous shoes of all, and now we are an epidemic because of it. Man. I mean, you can't deny. Are you going to refute the American Orthopedic Foot and Ankle Society? No. I think not. Listen to this staggering statistic. Did you know that $3.5 with a B... Is spent annually in the United States for women's foot surgeries. And that because of these foot surgeries, women are losing 15 million workdays in a year. That's according to the Washington Post. All because of shoes. Yes. Molly, this is. It's bad news bears. It's bad news bears. We are in the dark days of civilization.
3: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think a lot of women know that high heels are obviously not that great for their feet. But, uh, do you want me to give you a rundown of just. How bad they yes, are. I do. Aside from those, those statistics, the reason why women are spending billions of dollars on corrective foot surgery is because uh, when you put on a pair of strappy heels, uh, the problems start with the knees. Yes. The altered posture of walking in high heels adds excess force on the knees. It's all about like the, the, the pressure, mm-hmm. um, that you put on your, your legs and feet by wearing high heels. Um, one study, this is according to the that same article in the Washington Post, one study found that knee joint pressure increased by as much as 26% when uh, when women wear heels. And then it was all the way down. You, you're at your knees and then we go down to the Achilles tendon. Uh, the Achilles tendon is tightened up and compressed when you are sitting on your tiptoes. And then we go down to the feet and you get lovely things such as bunions. Ooh, it just sounds gross. Mm-hmm. Because of those tight fitting, um, the toe boxes at the the end of the shoe, they're really tight. Um, it can cause bony growths on the, on the joints.
2: Kristen, can I tell you about my favorite problem on the foot? Yes. The pump bump.
3: Pump bump.
2: It's a bump you get from wearing pumps. It's where the backs um, or your straps of your high heels irritate your heel. And it It creates this bony enlargement, also known as Haglund's deformity, but I prefer pump-bump. (laughs) Pump-bump. That's that's good.
3: And then, in addition to pump-bump, you've also got hammer toes, which comes in a close second to pump-bump. Yeah. Um, And this is when the big toe contracts into a claw-like position. So your legs might look really good when you're wearing the high heels, but then you, you take them off at the end of the day, and you have some gnarly... Uh His
2: feet are so nasty. Scary feet. And that's if you don't, like, break an ankle trying right. to run down the street in these things. Like, yeah. ankle injuries are a huge possibility. And just the weight you put – I mean, basically, you're putting your whole body weight on your toe. And one article I was reading in the Washington Post compared this to, would you want all the weight in an airplane situated at the front so mm-hmm. that you were nose down? I don't think so. No. You're, it's going to crash. But we're going to wear our heels. But why do women wear heels? That's a very good question, Molly. That's the question of today. Why would women put themselves through these potential problems?
3: Torture. Well, the funny thing about high heels, Molly, is that their popularity really took off among Men folk
2: yes. first. This was the most interesting fact of my research this week: is that men used to love them some high heels. Love high heels. Yeah, This all started. um They traced the high heel
3: back in Europe to these clodhoppers called chappins. Shoppings. Uh and chappins uh, were worn in the 16th and 17th centuries, and they were essentially just giant. Blocks of wood, sometimes as tall as 20 inches high, that uh, became popular first among Venetian courtesans, Mm -hmm. and they were basically used to elevate your feet from the grit and grime that you would be walking through.
2: Yeah, it was a practical purpose. The streets were dirty back then in Europe, so you wanted to keep your elegant clothing clean. So wearing these very high, essentially platforms, it Mm -hmm. sounds like, uh, was a way to denote the fact that you had the money to keep, you know, your elegant clothes clean unlike the ragamuffins on the street. Right. But men loved these and they loved also being the, uh, accessories for women who needed help, obviously walking down That's a street right, in a 20 inch. <laughs> platform
3: shopping. Um, and then, uh, we have the invention of the actual high heel. We go from the, the block of wood to the heel sometime around the end of the 16th century. And this made high heels a little more, a little more practical.
2: Yeah. In fact, men liked them because it was easier to get in your stirrup when you went off horseback riding. Mm-hmm. But for women, it made the foot appear small and dainty. And just like the Chappian, it's just this ultimate marker of status. Right. It's basically showing, I'm not a peasant. I don't have to go out in the streets and work. Like, I'm going to stay here in these impractical shoes. Right, because
3: they wouldn't have to go out and, and labor. And then when they were out, they were elevated above all of the filth.
2: Metaphorically and physically. Yes, exactly.
3: And uh, their popularity really took off in France, uh, in the court of Louis the 14th, who yeah. loved him some heels.
2: He did. In fact, he and the people that he said were okay. They were the only people who could wear heels mm-hmm. in his presence. And he was famous for his red heel.
3: Yes. He loved his red heels that were sometimes even painted with, with scenes of his military victories and things like that.
2: Now, he was one of the last big guys to be into high heels. Men were beginning to abandon them by the 1730s. Um, but, you know, France went through some problems after Louis XIV. A little thing called the French Revolution. And at that time, you really wouldn't want to be marked by your nobility. Right. Basically, they sent Marie Antoinette off to the guillotine in her heels, and everyone was like, well, I don't want those. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of die out
3: of uh, of fashion. But then they come back in the late 19th century.
2: Yeah, and this, again, it happens in France. People were flocking to Paris, also places like New York, living this very cosmopolitan lifestyle, lots of nightlife. And when they reappear, they're very much uh, entrenched as female footwear. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a very strong gender marker.
3: And the revival of, of the high heel came along with, um, when roads started to be paved, when you have the wide boulevards Mm -hmm. that are actually being taken care of, it's a lot easier to walk. And so a lot more women were out, you know, just taking strolls and parading around and they wanted to show off their dainty well-heeled foot. Yeah. No more cobblestone.
2: Yeah. But you know, what was interesting to me is that even though these women were promenading down alleyways in their fashionable heels, mm-hmm. that even when they went to work for women's rights, they did not abandon the heel. You would think that it being this very um feminine thing that women who were trying to get equality would put them in their closet mm-hmm. and say, you know, we're like men, we want votes too. But actually suffragettes made a big point about wearing heels because they wanted to prove that, Just because they got the vote, they wouldn't lose their femininity. Right,
3: Molly. They even, they even played sports in high heels. There were some, uh, high heeled tennis shoes that women, uh, back then would wear as they played tennis, which I think, I think they should just bring that back for Wimbledon next year. Uh, All right. Special, (laughs) just a special, you know,
2: exhibition game. Okay. Um, let's keep moving. All right. (laughs) So stock market crashes. You'd think that luxuries like shoes would die away. right? No. They became even bigger. They were especially used in movies because they helped people escape Mm -hmm. these awful, you know, dreary lives. And the war would not stop high heels either, even when there were materials that were rationed you know, that had been previously used for uh, high heel shoes, they found ways around them.
3: Right. They used a lot of wood and even snake skin and kind of got creative with the materials they were using. Yeah, they
2: did not stop making heels just because of, of the war. In fact, we owe the stiletto to World War II because they had all these new materials that they had been using for the war like uh, steel, and that's how they came up with the strong material that could support a foot on such a tiny heel. Right, and since then,
3: thanks to the steel heel, um, stilettos have been in vogue really ever since, what, 50s and 60s.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, you're not limited anymore by physics. Mm-hmm. When they were making these wooden heels, and they would try and reinforce them with pegs, you still couldn't go too high because the wood would just snap. Mm-hmm. But now the sky is the limit. Yes. Or is it? Or is it? But Molly, along with the stiletto, mm-hmm. okay,
3: as opposed to a platform or a chunkier heel, with mm-hmm. the stiletto in particular, you have this new shape of a woman's body because of what a stiletto does to the female form. Kind of like when you were talking about uh, the illustration they used in the, the Washington Post where uh, the all of the weight in the airplane is moved to the front. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what a stiletto does. It actually adjusts your your body so that it it tips the buttocks 20 to 30 degrees back and then also pushes the bust line out. It creates more of an exaggerated female curve.
2: Yeah, and it makes your legs look longer. Yes. So if there's a benefit to be had from the high heel, people say it's because it makes the female form look pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So it's beneficial to have these women walking around in high heels because... You know, it makes them more attractive to men.
3: Right. So but at the same time, Molly, uh, the stiletto has also become this undeniable cultural sex symbol,
2: mm-hmm. which is why some people don't like it. You know, there are certainly people who would argue that it's a male vision of what a sex symbol should be. We mm-hmm. put these women in these shoes. We elevate their butts make their legs look longer, and that's how we'll find them attractive.
3: Right, and comparing it to uh, antiquated things like corsets and foot binding, all compressing in a woman's body to make this supposedly perfect form, which is actually unhealthy Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. For instance, uh, Sheila Jeffries, who's the author of Beauty and Misogyny, says that, Men have traditionally demanded that women walk and dance in pain and gain great sexual satisfaction from this. So that's sort of like kind of the extreme anti high heel view because of what what it does to the to the female form.
2: Yeah. And on the other hand, you have got women who just like the way they look, like sort of the art of it. And if you're looking for a good benefit to throw out in terms of sex life, let me offer you this, which is from BBC News. Uh, there's this study done in Europe that uh, 66 women under the age of 50, that when they held their foot at that angle to the ground, and to and shield thereabouts, um, it showed that their pelvic muscles were stronger. Right,
3: and so the thinking was by this urologist who was doing this study was that since women were getting this unintentional pelvic exercise, they would be better
2: in the bed. Yeah, better sex life if you wore heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, those are the muscles that get sort of traditionally weakened by childbirth and the passage of time. But if you've got these women walking around, it keeps the muscles strong. Now, I'm not going to buy this argument personally, Kristen.
3: <laughs> yeah. This, this argument done was done by a self-avowed high heel addict. So she might have been <laughs> maybe tweaking, uh, results. I don't know. Um, maybe she just wanted to. Another reason to so, buy a new pair of heels. Yeah.
2: Sometimes you start out with your hypothesis and find a way to meet it. Right. But there was, there was another interesting point
3: raised about, um, this image of women in heels in a uh, column in the Guardian by Hannah Betts. And she was saying that spikes are also a form of armor for women, especially in the workforce. Like if you put on a pair of very attractive high heels with a well fitting suit, Molly. Mm-hmm.
2: You feel, you feel kind good. Of, you feel pretty powerful. In fact, uh, Patricia Field, who did the costumes for Sex in the City, in that same Guardian article said that she always used to let us to symbolize characters' sexual power and their independence. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, deal with that what you will.
3: Yeah, there are definitely arguments, you know, pro heel, anti heel arguments. But it's interesting to know that we do have really got men to thank for for high heels being popular.
2: Yeah. And maybe they'll come back. You know, in the seventies during the disco age, that's when men started wearing some heels again. Mm-hmm. It could come back. Some platforms. I am personally not a fan of the heel, Kristen. I, I, I'd like to be comfortable and I'm, I rarely find heels comfortable. Well, Molly, here's a little tip from a
3: British physicist who mm-hmm. actually worked out a, an equation for the maximum heel height formula that a woman can wear. And, uh, he, he took uh, let's see. The probability that wearing the shoes will turn heads against the number of years of experience you have wearing high heels against the cost and the time since the shoe is in the height of fashion. And then the most critical element of this, which is the unit of alcohol consumed while wearing these heels. And he found that you women can't wear any higher than five inches before heels. they'll fall before they'll fall. Especially if they are consuming alcohol,
2: so you know that's the thing is that's what I'm trying to get at. I do not need a shoe that requires a formula to figure out how much shoe you can wear, particularly if there's gonna be alcohol involved. It's just too much work. Yeah, so I personally, on behalf of all flip flop ballet flat wears everywhere, do a little research about whether that's better than a high heel. okay? It's not. What? It is unfortunate. I was in the, this Washington Post article we keep citing. One podiatrist said that the only thing that flip flops do best is carry patients into my office. Uh, it's because there's no support. You can't no walk around support. a city all day with basically just a wedge of plastic yeah. under there. And, you know, and, and to get that signature flip flop sound, you've got to, uh, move your heel away from the shoe surface. It creates tension in your foot, which just worsens painful conditions in the foot. Like, we're always going to have this battle between function and fashion. Yes. And when it comes to footwear, because the only thing they really can recommend to us are sneakers. Sneakers? And, you know, there's just going to be outfits that we ladies have that will not tolerate a sneaker. Or, Molly, you know what? You can make it work. How, Tim Gunn? Just creativity and confidence. Well, the rule of thumb is, if you want something a little more concrete than Kristen's <laughs> creativity and confidence, is that... <laughs> and magic. If you are going to wear three-inch heels, uh only wear them for three hours. Okay. So save them for your nights out, for a dinner, and then get rid of them. And don't wear them every day. Save your feet sometimes. And, you know, maybe go a little lower because I was reading in this infamous Washington Post article that a three-inch heel puts seven times more stress on you than a one-inch heel. So basically, if you make small little sacrifices, maybe some kitten heels one day. Yeah. And some stilettos, we can win this battle of fashion versus function with Kristen's creativity and confidence.
3: I'm just going to try and bring back the Chippine myself. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that, guys. Along
2: with uh, four men to help you get around town. <laughs> yes. Um,
3: as usual.
2: <laughs> it is as usual. Um, speaking of things we do as usual, shall we do some listener mail? Yes, please. So we got a lot of response about whether men liked video games more than women.
3: Yeah, I think my two favorite responses were from Ryan and Nick, and they both wrote in because when they saw the episode title, Do Men Like Video Games More Than Women?, they read it as... (laughs) do men like video games more than they like women? Yeah. And it both gave them a little bit of a chuckle.
2: Yeah, I think one of them even said, like, yes, there are times when my wife's nagging me that I'm going to like my video games better. Yeah, it's understandable. Um, And then we also had a lot of responses to things we mentioned about what gender you choose to play the game in. We had Britt write in, who was talking about how PlayStation Home is the PlayStation network equivalent to Second Life, Sony's attempt to break into social networking. Out of curiosity, on the first day the test launched, she made up a female avatar, and immediately she's got male avatars catcalling her, making new comments to her. She tried to explore the different areas, so she gives up, creates a tall male avatar. And that was the only way she could go through the whole thing in peace. But then on the other hand, we've got Tom, who says that there are a few benefits to being a female character. Like, while you do get that very explicit unwanted attention, he finds that if you have a female avatar, you get more help from other gamers. So, um, on several games where my player was a female, and my character, and my friend's character was a male, Tom writes, I was able to advance a lot quicker and easier because people were more likely to help me. So there are advantages. Neat. Our last example is not about being in an actual game, but being in the gaming world. She works at GameStop and, or she worked there and she said that, uh, when male gamers came in and saw that there was a girl there who could talk intelligently about games, that they became immediately inclined to view girls who liked video games as potential romantic pursuits. Uh, perceived scarcity meant that being asked that was a daily experience for herself and the store's other female workers, a volume that has never been duplicated in any of other Lauren's jobs before or since. Alright.
3: Well, we've got a, uh, a reading list and a video game list combo okay. um, to close things out today. And this is from Trevin and in- Trevin lives in Tallahassee, Florida, <laughs> in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> And he is reading this summer uh, a lot of things, and I will pull out three of them. He is reading Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. Good choice. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. And Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And then for a couple video games, he's playing semi-often, he says. Resident Evil 4, Super, Super Mario Galaxy, we Sports, and Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess.
2: Wow. Thanks for writing in, Trevin. He's got a lot of video games and a lot of books on his He's docket. A busy guy. Trevin does not, doesn't waste a lot of time. Well, if you can waste just a little bit of time, you may not see it as a waste of time to email Kristen and me. We don't see it as a waste of time. We certainly don't. We love your emails. Email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. If you want to waste a little time online, you can read our blog. Again, not necessarily a waste of time. Ooh. It's how-to stuff. And if you want to find more about fashion through the ages, again, you're going to want to head over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?